0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable free-form discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers at Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, it's our other lore-focused writer on the website, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hi, Rossi.
2: Hello.
0: And then, obviously, next up we've got... He's not a lore columnist for the website. He writes primarily about shaman, but... Boy, by golly, does he ever know his lore? It would be uh, Joe
1: Perez. Say hey, Joe. Well, hi there, everybody. And I appreciate that i got a by golly in there.
0: By golly. I messed it up, though, because I can't (laughs) talk today, apparently. Uh, So Blizzard, in all of their infinite wisdom, has been releasing these freebie comics that have been leading into the Legion expansion. And last episode, we talked about the Magni comic because it had just come out right before we did the show since then two more have come out and there is going to be a total of four so we should see a fourth one this week but uh right now i guess we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna talk about the two that came out because they're actually kind of interesting obviously um standard rules apply here we're talking about the comics we're talking about the legion expansion we're talking about possible lore spoilers so if you're avoiding that kind of thing you might want to come back after i don't know the expansion has launched. That seems like an awfully long time to wait, but that's okay. We'll forgive you. Um, so the first of these two comics was *Nightborn: Twilight of Suramar*, and that one was written by Matt Burns with uh, illustrations by Lolo. Lulubi- 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 I can't. Ludo Lulubi. Thank you, thank you, Rossi. Because I cannot talk today. I guess anyway. Same artist and writer team as the Maggie comic. Um, So I was personally pretty delighted because, you know, it's the same beautiful art. And I wanted to see more of it. Um, And Matt Burns definitely has a handle on the Night Elf situation. So uh, the comic itself, what did you guys think?
1: I honestly was very interested by it simply from the fact of it explains a little bit of why we're going to be seeing a little bit of what we're seeing. Because the Nightborn have been on the Broken Isles for thousands of years, untouched, unbothered. So, and then you have to wonder, like, why are we pot- potentially going to be encountering them as enemies, you know, when there's a bigger threat happening to the world? And this, I- I'm really appreciative that this comic sort of addresses that in a very per- concise way.
2: What about you, Rossi? What'd you think? I'm interested in seeing, like, what the rebel faction of of Nightborn does now, that they've basically got lost, and, you know, we run into one of them if you're on a, in the al If you did the alpha or beta, you know that you eventually run into some of them. And uh, it, it's pretty nasty what happens to them. Because if you remember what happened to the Blood Elves when they got cut off from magic, it's a lot worse for the Nightborn. Because the Nightborn are even more addicted to magic than the Blood Elves were.
0: And honestly, I mean, I guess if you want to look at it from, from that perspective, the Blood Elves, for a while there, when they were... You know, right after the War of the Ancients until the point that they established the Sunwell, they didn't have a well of anything to deal mm-hmm. with. So they had, like, that
2: break of, what, a couple hundred years or something like that? I don't even know exactly how long it was. They got themselves kicked out while uh, Malfurion was still, like, moving and grooving. Yeah. So it, it could be any time. But it was before the uh, war with the Satter. Are you I sure mean, it was before or after? Yeah. I thought it they, was after. No, they left before the War of the Satyr because they're not there anymore when it happens. That's true. Yeah, they left before the war of the Satter. but the the Nightborn actually have an artifact. They have two artifacts, really. The one I'm going to talk about is the Nightwell. Yeah. Which you see, you see in the comic, and the Nightwell
0: it's, is there's you, the Sunwell, then there's the Nightwell.
2: Yeah, the Nightwell is essentially it's like a little piece of the original Well of Eternity that they draw from, and and this isn't to be clear. This isn't you know a pool
0: that they poured a vial of well of eternity water into like with the uh well up on drissile or even the sun well this is actual well of eternity this yes, is this is the, the old power. the original not diluted 100 percent, not from concentrate all natural <laughs>
2: <laughs> well the, and that's actually that's how we like joe mentioned that we find out why uh we're fighting these guys and you've, and you basically the comic book reveals that even now the Legion is still interested in that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and you, you hit the, the, when you talk about it being the original, it's also very interesting to note that like they've had 10,000 years essentially of uninterrupted connection with this thing, Uh. which, which is just crazy. If you think about it in terms of like arcane sort of infusing, because that means that they're either a crazy stupid powerful or as well as crazy stupid addicted but it also makes them like you said a huge beacon to the legion because again this is this is the pure font essentially the original font yeah and it I shows also, on this
0: yeah I also kind of find it kind of interesting just to see how they've physically evolved in 10,000 years, it's sort of like what would have happened to Suramar and the Hi- – well, it is. It's exactly what would have happened to Suramar and the Highborn had the War of the Ancients never happened. That's what the Night Elves would look like, theoretically, correct? Because they'd it's, all be
2: exposed to this magic juice. I think maybe they wouldn't be quite as far along as the Nightborn because they wouldn't – the Nightborn have been like – it's a smaller it's a smaller group of people. And they're all – basically their entire civilization is built around the Nightwell. So I think they may be even more changed than the night elves would be otherwise because they would have had a much bigger culture and they were around the, you know around the edges of the much larger well of eternity so it's hard to say
1: Well there's but, also the there's also the, the other pet fact that like part of the reason that the the, the nightborn evolved and uh, how they did is because they at one point started to run out of like mundane food and as a result, started, like, seeking actual nourishment from the Nightwell itself, which, yeah. I mean, at that point, you're literally ingesting pure arcane-like substance at that point. That's going to alter you a little bit quicker than just living next to it, I think.
2: Yeah, they're definitely not... They're, they're like, they are to Night Elves what Night Elves are to trolls it's in a almost, lot of ways.
0: It's almost like uh, they've sort of become a little bit Blue dragony, almost. Well, and that's, yeah, that's interesting uh,
1: because there's some tie-ins to that, too.
0: Yeah, and it, it, I don't, again, don't want to put too many things down. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, we won't spoil anything. I wasn't aware that
2: that was a spoiler
0: because I haven't gotten yeah. that far. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Let's just say Azuna touches on that. Azuna also touches on the period of time when this all happened. Oh, yeah.
1: cool. Yeah, it does.
2: Um, And why, you know, why these guys basically were able to save what they were of themselves and how they managed to get away with it. Underneath Ashara's, you know, basically Ashara was busy. So, what, what happened yeah.
0: was back during the War of the Ancients, you know, you
2: had Ashara, you had
0: the Highborn, and there was a select few of her Highborn. Actually, I, I wouldn't even call it a few because the Shendralar, obviously, um, down in Dire Mall, they didn't necessarily approve of what Ashara was doing. So, they sort of removed themselves and isolated themselves, but kind of in a completely different way. And then up near Surimar, obviously, there was Elisanda who decided that she wasn't too gung-ho about this whole um, rebuilding the world by using the Burning Legion to bulldoze it first plan. Like, that wasn't something she was really keen about. So... She and her, you know, select few followers who also agreed with this whole standpoint of, you know, maybe that's just a little insane. Um, they all kind of cloistered themselves away, and that's how they became the Nightborn. They weren't even there
2: during that final battle, I don't think. No, they were. They basically put what was left of Suramar behind a protective barrier yeah. and then rebuilt it over the centuries. Sort of like the Dalaran bubble back in the What's- day. What's interesting too, is that they, the the Nightborn aren't were not under the blessing of immortality from the uh, from the ancients. No, not they the weren't. Ancients, they, the aspects. They just, however, they've been using the Night Well to sustain themselves, which is why Elizondo was able to exist for ten thousand years. Which is another reason why they're physically different. These are these are beings who are far removed from what they were. In and a I lot mean, of ways, considering
0: they, considering what we know about the Well of Eternity itself. And what it is exactly, it doesn't really, it's not too far-fetched to think that, yeah, that well could totally sustain them indefinitely.
1: Yeah, at well, yeah. The cost I mean, it's of, pure life, essentially. Yeah.
2: At the cost of changing them pretty significantly. And they are, they are very changed.
1: Oh, yeah, um, their model, I mean, if you even in just if you want to compare their model to that of, like, the standard elf, uh, and not just, like, aesthetics, like, the way they decorate themselves, take that all out, their the physiology of them is so wildly different it's it's almost insane to to me like you look at them and it's it's hard to call them elves when you've been so used to like blood elves and night elves for so long like it's that's how far removed they are
0: so in nightborn what we see here is basically it's the setup for what we're going to kind of be introduced to once you get to suramar um, obviously there's been a shift in power in suramar and Gul'dan showed up, basically. I mean, in the comic, Goldon shows up and gave them a choice, you know, let us use your well and we'll let you live. You know, join with the Legion, we'll let you live. Otherwise, we're going to murder you all. And uh, the Grand magistrate, she had to make a decision, you know, do I, do I side with these people? Or, you know, for the good of my people, do I do this? Or, or do I refuse? Because if I refuse, then we're dead. We're just dead. We're gone. Whatever's left of Sir Amar is just toast. Um, and she has to make that choice. And not everybody agrees with the whole, well, with even the fact that she's deliberating. You know, they think that she should just be saying no. Obviously, the whole foundation of their society, this peculiar little secluded society that they've made, has been built on this idea of resisting the burning legion. So now that they're confronted with it again, 10,000 years later, you would think that the automatic answer would be no, but apparently not. Um, So yeah, you guys want to talk about
2: that? Well, you, you get to see right up front that, that, you know, Gul'dan basically makes two points to her. One is that, you know, we're going to kill you. Like we have infinite numbers. We can just keep coming. It doesn't matter how strong your defenses are. We can just keep throwing demons at you indefinitely. Uh, you will eventually fall. Two, um, if you just give us what we want, you don't have to die. It's I'm not interested in killing you. It's, but it's we'll not, let you be. You can keep yeah. doing whatever crazy things you're doing. I mean, you'll have to give up some of the power of the well, but in exchange for that, you'll still be here. And now, you know, she does consider it i mean it's not just she doesn't just jump in on this chance she's not like yay this is great she takes no, the she, time to think about it she takes the he gives her three days and mm-hmm, she and takes she, the full three days well, to think there, it over
1: there's an important thing here right like let, let's also consider the fact that it's not just like a voice or a letter was delivered to her it is a manifestation of Gul'dan past the barrier So that is a very, very important note because this is this all-powerful barrier that is supposed to have kept them safe and keep anything from getting through to them for 10,000 years. And here's Gul'dan standing in front of her. Whether that is actually him, a physical projection, it doesn't matter. Something was able to get through that barrier. That's going to cause serious doubts in your own safety at that point because if he's powerful enough to get through, he might be powerful enough to make good on those threats. So here's my question,
0: right? Guldan—he obviously wants the power of the Nightwell for whatever it is he's doing. Now, at first, on first reading, I presumed, "Oh yeah, to perform whatever spell to go ahead and open up that big portal on the Broken Isles." And then I'm like, "Wait a tick. If he's already got all of these demonic forces that are pummeling this barrier, then that would in- that would imply that he's already opened this big old portal and there are demons
2: pouring through it. So, what does he need the Nightwell for exactly?" Who's his master? He says who his master is when you fu- you confront him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. And, and how much his power master, does it take
1: to bring him through?
2: His master requires a much bigger portal to get through.
1: Oh uh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it. it I mean, took we the took... Well of Eternity to almost bring him through the first time. So
2: and it took the yeah.
1: Sun Well to bring Kill Jaden through. Yeah. I mean, and that's, is... just that's, that's just Kill Jaden. That's not Kil'jaden. even. That's not even yeah. the big bad.
2: So it's very possible that they are seeking the power necessary to bring him through because, um. If you go back in the chronicle, we know that he took the what what uh, he was told by uh, Golgoneth and uh, the others. He took it to be not what they meant it to be, like they had told him. There's this. There's this. I don't know. Are we in the spoiler territory here? Or can I just say this? Well, we've already given the spoiler warning. So if you, if you feel like dropping spoilers, you know, go okay. ahead. In, in Chronicle, we, we reveal Sargeras when he fights the other Titans, they reveal to him the existence of the, of the, of this true power Titan, what you might call the final Titan, who will be so powerful that it will be able to defeat the lead. You know, it could be able to defeat the old gods and the void Lords, which Sargeras takes as a challenge. Like this thing's going to be a threat to me. I have to destroy it, and I have to claim its power for myself. That's Ben been Sargras's game plan for Azeroth since the beginning. He wants to come here, and he wants the power of the well. He wants to, to take it for himself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very likely that Goldon is under direct orders to get him through. It's not necessarily as important to, to blow up Azeroth and destroy it as it is to bring Sargeras through. Sargas so, wants to be in this world. He's wanted to be in this world for like thousands of thousands of years. He went so far as to possess a baby to do it. Uh, so yeah, I think that is Goldon's plan that's that's
1: my thing i'm thinking yeah i'm i'm right there with you like it's the only thing that makes logical sense it's it's the end game right at this point like that's what we're assuming is this is sort of the end game it's we've identified this this is what we need this is the last piece of that puzzle that we need to bring my big boss over and make him happy so he doesn't like torment me for millennia again because that that was not very good the first time so i don't want to do that again you know so i need this well give me this well give it to me
0: so, just a little bit of theorizing here, just you know, for the sake of curiosity, um, what do you guys think the chances are that we are going to see Sargeras at some point during this expansion,
2: like I actually think...
0: see him fight him? Uh, I, I think... don't know. Or do think you think we'll he's going to be him... the invisible boogeyman for a little while longer?
1: I think he's going to be—he's the ultimate carrot on the stick. My my honest answer is, I think that unless we are going directly to like Argus or something. And like from there going elsewhere, um, I don't think we're going to have a final confrontation with him yet. That's like the big end game for as far as I can see for the game itself. Like that's the ultimate ending. If you ever wanted to like close the servers down or whatever the case is, not that I'm saying it's going to happen, folks. Don't don't get worried. Uh, it's just one of those things. Like if they ever wanted to have that one final big bang, he's the final big bang. I do think we will see touches of him, maybe. Uh, a reappearance of the avatar of him, but I don't think we'll actually see him.
2: What do you think, Rossi? Um, I was thinking back to Wrath of Lich King and the Wrathgate, And if you remember, if you played the Horde, if you did Horde side on that quest, you get to a certain point where you're, you're confronting... Um, oh, God. Varimathras. No, yeah, Varimathras, yes, thank you. You're confronting Varimathras, and he's trying to open portals inside, inside uh, Undercity's throne room itself. And the voice is coming through... Basically saying, you failed me, Varimothrys. You promised me you would do this, and you failed me. And Varimothrys says, this is only an interruption, my lord. I promise I will I will make it right. And in the voice files, it was voice of Sargeras. Now, I think something like that is very possible. Like We know, this is a spoiler, but we know it from data mining, that both Mal'Ganis and Gul'dan, and no, not Mal'Ganis, Ticonderous and Gul'dan are in the, the first raid with the Nightborn. Mm-hmm. yep. They're both in there. Um whether or not and it certainly seems to indicate that we kill Gul'dan. With Gul'dan dead, that would mean that Sargeras needs somebody else to open the portal.
0: Is Gul'dan actually going to die? That's yeah. my question. Is he going to die or has he become part of the Burning Legion to the point where
2: he's got a demon soul? Yeah, where That's he'll pop back over,
0: you know, cuz he's he's got those weird little
2: spines coming out of his back. We don't know. He's been chugging that green Kool-Aid. And the other possibility, if we remember with the original Gul'dan, uh, he had a way to cheat death. He had a way to put the souls of of warlocks mm-hmm. into truncheons and animate them into corpses. Death Knight Gul'dan would be yeah. terrifying, well, so I, that, terrifying. I think that's really well,
1: within the realm of possibilities.
2: So there's mm-hmm. lots of there's lots of ways it could go, but I think basically at some point we're going to have to go into the Tomb of Sargeras to stop all this. We'll need the four, the five artifacts, the uh, Pillars of Creation in order to seal the portal and, and prevent the Legion from coming through for a while. So we'll need to go in there. Whether or not it'll be like the second or third tier, I don't know. But when we go in there, I would be very surprised if the Avatar do- isn't in there. Because that's where she put its body. And I would be very surprised if the, if the, the demons of the Burning Legion weren't, you know, going to pick it back up and get it moving and use it against us. That just seems like a wasted opportunity to me. Whether or not Sargeras himself makes an appearance, I don't know. Uh, it, could, it could be something as simple as there's a big portal forming, and in it you can see the vague shadowy form of Sargeras. Or, you know, maybe he'll actually stick a foot through. Or, like, imagine if imagine a fight that was literally his hand coming through. <laughs> we have to fight Sargeras' finger. You know, yeah.
1: I'm A-OK with, like, Mega Man-style boss fights. I'm just saying, like, I like those. I think those are awesome.
2: I just think we could very well end up with a situation where like, we're basically just trying to keep him from sticking his hand through uh, a la um, Broxigar with the, with the magic wood axe, creating just enough of a wound to, to keep him from getting in. That could happen. I don't know. Uh, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't actually show up because he is such a big deal. You know he is the ultimate. He is basically once Sargeras is beaten, there's only one thing worse than Sargeras out there, and that's the Void Lords. So here's here's my other question, um, and this was a cue question, and I kind
0: of answered it, but I, I almost kind of want to pose it to you guys too because I think it's worth talking about. Um, obviously, the Nightborne they turned away from Azshara back when she was, you know, all gung ho about bringing the Burning Legion to Azeroth back in the War of the Ancients. Um, somebody wanted to know why or if it was possible for the Nightborn to contact Shara now. And I theorized that no, they probably wouldn't go that route because number one, they'd already turned away from her once and number two, she's in Naga form now and I imagine they're probably not too keen on that. Uh, but... Actually, actually, again, yeah.
2: there's... There's, there's
1: the spoilers fact. about that one.
2: Is there, are, are there spoilers about that yeah, one? Yeah. Asuna, yeah. All Ashara I'm gonna... is yeah, Ashara is not limited to her naga form. Okay. All
1: I'm going to say is that, and this is this is I don't know if I would qualify this as so much of a spoiler, but visually, and this has already been on the website, this has already been on many of the their own stuff that they've released. There are several statues of Ashara in her naga form throughout Azuna. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Okay. Um. So yeah, I guess we won't talk about that then. But I wanted to, but now no, we no,
2: can't. We- we can still
0: talk about
1: We can skirt around of some of it, yeah.
2: Why
0: don't you guys skirt Rossi, give us you know, some the, skirting around and talk about it a little bit the here. The question
2: you're asking is can they reach Ashara? That's the first part of it. You're asking if they can do it. Yes, they can do it. Elisanda is probably the second most powerful magician on Azeroth. And I say that because Ashara is probably the first most powerful mm-hmm. magician on Azeroth. Ashara is revealed in Asuna and again not going to give any spoilers, but she's revealed to be immensely powerful
1: yeah like stupidly powerful like quake in your boots
2: powerful she she i can say this much because it's established in the background material for the website she is directly responsible for what happened to asuna mm-hmm. that is ashara it wasn't ashara like you know it's not like she took it all wasn't an power. accident no not only was it not an accident it wasn't like it took her a lot to do it she turned away for a second from what she was doing and smote Azuna. And then went back to what she was doing. Yeah. She is powerful enough that Magtherodon knew he couldn't take her. Well, yeah, in the War on the Ancients
0: trilogy, I mean Magtherodon there was a line in there with Magtherodon, and I like going back to this line every now and again because it really kind of encompasses just how powerful Ashara was. Now keep in mind that when he was talking about Ashara, he was talking about Ashara before she was juiced up by the old gods. But he said that she was powerful enough that only Sargeras and his lieutenants, Kil'jaeden and Archimond, held a candle to
2: her, were more powerful than she was. I would say at this point that I would be surprised if Kil'jaeden if and Archimond are more powerful than Ashara. At this point, yeah. Well, yeah, because at this point, prior to that, she hadn't been juiced up by the old gods. I'm, saying, I'm not even talk- talking about the old gods. I'm talking, about that, 10, yeah. th- I'm talking about 10,000 years ago. I think she could take them. Yeah. That's the, and right now, well, I absolutely let's, let me say this way: they won't, they won't contact Ashara for one very simple reason: she would be displeased with them. Well, and you don't want to be the people she's directly displeased with. It's. It's one of those things where there's there's three
1: things here that are two things that I think are kind of important. One, it's sort of a situation where it's like the Harry Potter, Voldemort thing. Like Nobody says her name. Why does nobody want to say her name? Because she's so powerful. And this has already been established. She's got eyes and ears everywhere on Azeroth, literally. Anywhere that water touches, she has an ear there. That and she's bored you enough. You say
0: her name, she yeah, might exactly. show
1: up, and you and, really don't want her to show up. And she's bored enough at where she what she's doing, or she's that maniacal enough, or that really that much of a chess player that she's waiting for those opportunities. She's listening to a million conversations at a time, like not even thinking about it. And that's already been established over the course of the entirety of the existence of Warcraft. Like go that's back, that's just go back
2: fight. to ca- go back to Cataclysm, for a yeah. moment And let's look at this simple fact. Ashara successfully outmaneuvered the archdruid of the world Mm -hmm. and did it more or less just just as an obligation to the old gods. And she did it in the most diffident manner possible. She barely even cared.
0: Yeah, if you haven't played through Darkshore... Um, by this point in time. If you haven't played through the Cataclysm revamp of Darkshore, I really recommend that you go do so because there is there is, I mean, you see her. She shows up and she's not really too concerned about anything that's going on. And in fact, she's just kind of like, yep, I decided to keep you distracted so that you know, my buddies could go take over Hyjal.
2: (laughs) Good luck with that. And then she leaves. (laughs) At this point and she's I'm so say this. And the, about the whole thing really. at this point i'm going to say this much about ashara mm-hmm. she is at the point now where she is the only being on Azeroth who can deal with the old gods and not only doesn't go insane but barely cares what they want well and
1: this is kind of important too and and I think this is something that i I don't think has really been talked about. You have to understand when we talk about it, where do highborn derive their power from where 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 did they get all of their arcane magic from? From the well. What was the well? The pure, undiluted essence of a titan.
0: Not just any titan. The most the titan,
1: powerful titan. The
0: titan with the power, supposedly, to confront and defeat the Void Lords, which probably, had you know, that has a lot... Yeah to do with the fact that Ashara is so unconcerned with the old gods. She's like, Yeah, but sure, I'll team up with you right but now. But not only
1: but not only does she have all that power, but now she's taking the the old gods, the void lords power too. Yeah. She is she is double juiced. Like she is getting like two of the most insane fonts of power in all of existence that course through her. And that's why she's like,
2: eh, whatever. <laughs> i this is, this well, is this to
0: say she's been disqualified from entering the MLB Hall of Fame for yes. like eternity. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Sorry, Rossi. Go ahead.
2: Though there's also the fact that the, the amount of raw power she has is, is in of itself impressive. But what's more impressive is the way she can maneuver in that everyone it's forgot. Brilliant. People thought that Ashara basically controlled everyone with her beauty. And she did. Her beauty and charisma were, how, were tools she used to control people. It was a people. chess piece. It was a chess but piece. But it's not the sum total of her political acumen. She was a woman who could navigate the politics of the, at that time, most advanced civilization on Azeroth, and did so with ease. And she's managed to basically put herself in a position where every time the Legion or the Old Gods get up to anything on Azeroth, she comes out on top. She comes out with her power fully intact, she loses nothing, she gains things from each attempt and she doesn't have to commit more than a token force each time. There was at- almost this
0: kind of implication during the War of the Ancients trilogy and I really liked that implication. It I came away with it feeling like Ashara she wasn't just ruling because she was beautiful, she was ruling because she had enough power to pretty much like hold the entirety of Calderae society under this sort of compulsion. Like, the closer they were to her, the more devoted they were to her, physically speaking.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's that's true, but I, I... Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm starting to question whether that was actually a spell she cast or she was just that darn good at playing off of each other because let's take a look at just you take a look at the real world and you look at people and you're like why does anybody like them and then you watch them interact with people and the they charisma to, <laughs> and they know how to play off of every single person's wants and desires and they know how to tell them exactly what they want to hear and i'm starting to question whether it was an arcane spell she cast or whether she was just that good at reading those around her and knowing what to do because maybe she didn't have to cast a spell. She was just, I mean, I don't want to say like a people person, but like she just knew every right thing to say at every right moment.
0: It's sort of like the, the game in Orlais in Dragon Age.
2: I would be willing to say too that those that displeased Ashara quickly learned the pain of it. And as soon as an, is a big sign of that, she took the time in the middle of the most chaotic moment in her people's civilization while she herself was under direct threat to to do something that monstrous. You know if the highborn are not going to reach out to i mean the nightborn are not going to reach out to her because they know the cost like the legion may be bad, but She's they're brutes worse. yeah the legion are brutes, they're thugs who burn things to the ground uh, goldon is an un he's like an unwashed monster from another world he's not. He's not a good politician. He's not that kind of manipulative. He he's he is manipulative, but he's not. He's not, Ashara. not a No. Yeah, Ashara. They know better. They, She's they know... a really
0: clever snake. The Legion yeah. is a bunch of rampaging rhinoceroses in comparison, yeah. really. And
2: yeah. she
0: knows it. She knows
2: it. Yeah, Elisande, for that matter knows who her. You know, she knows what will happen to her. You know, under Ashara's return, and plus Ashara isn't a night elf anymore she isn't even like she's not she is as different from them as they are from the night elves. you know what I'm saying She's not somebody they're gonna reach out to if they I'm sure they could reach out to her I'm sure they could you know if illidan could yeah. call up if Illon could call up sunaga then there's no way that Melisand couldn't but she's not going to i I really don't see it happening
1: no. I would like to say that all these points that we're making is why Azara is probably my favorite villain in a video game ever.
0: I, I love her, and it's really funny because I love her that much, but we've never really never actually like, seen her. dealt with her at all. And I'm wondering, I, I'm kind of hoping that we see her in a much more active capacity. Um, obviously, you know, the the Nightborn. The Nightborn and this comic and everything else, this deals with events that happen in Suramar and also in Azuna. It ties into what happens in Azuna. Azuna is one of the four leveling zones that you can choose from the outset in Legion. But the other comic that came out, and I feel like we should move on to that. The other comic that came out just last week uh, is called High Mountain, A Mountain Divided. And that one was by, written by Robert Brooks, who's written several of the short stories for the website, including Death From Above, which is probably one of my favorite because Manted Rock. Um, and the art on this one was by David Kegg, and David Kegg's never actually done anything for Blizzard before. Um, this was, like, his first thing, and can I just say that this guy draws some of the best Tauren I have ever seen?
1: His art style is very Alex Ross-inspired. Like, you can see it's the, the watercolor water effects, and it fits perfectly, especially with the Tauren aesthetic, yeah. It
0: is absolutely beautiful, um, and Rossi, I know you're a big Tauren fan. What'd you think?
2: Uh, it pretty much fit what I figured was it, it, if you did the original High Mountain back in the early parts of the beta, mm-hmm. it it fit in with stuff that they did then and then took out. And I think I know why they took it out was so they could put it here. And uh, in terms of like, it's interesting because the High Mountain Torn are different for various reasons, one of which is Holn High Mountain. And Holn's one of my favorite characters because he goes back to the War of the Ancients trilogy and he's one of the really cool ones that's introduced there. And then you never hear much about him. And obviously, there are high mountain outside of the Broken Isles. There are high, ma- there's a high mountain in the Burning. If you go to the Burning Crusade starting zone, you go down the, the, the uh, dark portal steps, and there's a high mountain torrent right there. Uh, but he's he does not have the horns that these guys do. So there's there was a separation after Holm left to go start the the high some mountain. Some high tauren.
0: mountain, some of the high mountains stayed where they were. Yeah. And some of them wandered on. And I know that the Warcraft manga, there's actually a high mountain, Trag high mountain. Yeah, who, Trag is,
2: Trag is that guy.
0: A, yeah, he becomes a death knight. Um, yeah. And it's because he, he left and he doesn't have the horns or anything like that. Um, the horns themselves are kind of an interesting story too, because Holm basically, he he found a moose that was favored by Malorn. His name mm-hmm. was Etchero. And Etchero pretty much became his companion, I guess. And he, because he saved Echiro, he received a blessing from Cenarius. And it was basically so that his people would forever have Cenarius' favor. And he gave them the horns of Etchero. That's why they have the moose horns and that's why they look different. It was a blessing from a demigod. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like actual evolution or anything here they were they were changed they were magically altered um so yeah uh high mountain the comic the the comic pretty much it sets up what you see when you first get to high mountain itself so it also like
2: it sets up the tribes it sets
0: up the the tribes and everything and yeah um joe you want to talk about that a little bit
1: about the different tribes so there's the comic starts with the meaning of, I believe it's the Skyhorn, the uh, Riverbane, and the Blood Totem uh, with the Drogbar. Nice little. I, I don't know why his his thing is feathers, but it is. He's got a crown of feathers. Um, it's the Drogbar King that we're going to be seeing uh, Argul at, at some point. And it's an interesting because you have this meeting of the clans that are sitting there trying to discuss how best to uh, take care of the Legion. They know that the Legion is coming, and they're, they're like, how do we deal with this? What should we do? And there's these moments where, you know, they're like, we've seen the Alliance fight, we've seen the Horde, you know, fight. And, well, they failed, so what are we going to do? What, what recourse do we have? And there's this interesting moment where you see that they actually still have the hammer of Kosgoroth, which it's there. And that hammer.
0: It's... Yeah, that hammer was basically entrusted to them. They were supposed to yes. watch over it, protect it and keep it, but they and can never, never use, use it. it. They can never use it. Um, and the drug bar, obviously the drug bar is like, hey, you have that big hammer. Why don't you just use that thing? Like, hello, guys, you know, this would make sense. Um, obviously he's a little bit more selfish than that, but, um, what this does though, is this kind of sets up that conflict that you run into, like the second you arrive in high mountain, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a lead in, but then you jump right into, oh, okay. Some stuff went down. The stuff that went down is the stuff that's shown in this comic here. So that makes it worth reading the comic right there. Just so you have a little more familiarity. Do you need to read the comic to understand what's going on in high mountain? No. No, but it helps. Rossi, I'm sorry, you were gonna say something. No, I was agreeing with you.
2: oh okay. you don't really, you don't need to read the comic, but one of the things that's interesting is it does get, the, the, the 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 comic basically sets up you know th- that the the high mountain have split into multiple tribes. um you have the river main, uh, I can't remember the other two names at the moment. like oh, why, why am I having that blood
0: problem? totem and blood totem Skyhorn and the skyhorn.
2: Yeah, and the River Main and the High Mountain themselves. Like the, There's there's some people who are still in the original High Mountain tribe, and then the other three tribes have formed out of that one group. They're all descended from Holm because they all have the horns. So
1: I, I don't know about that because the original story of Holm was uniting of the original tribes. I don't think they were all related. I think they were all just sworn to Holm.
2: No, no, because he, he actually united all the tribes. Yes. No, I mean all the tribes.
1: I, I know. So, that's what I'm saying. I don't.
2: I don't think that those are the ones who got the Horns. I think the Horns went to the original High Mountain tribe. They went to his descendants and his descendants' descendants. And that's why you see them. That's how I understand it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's how I got it.
1: I, my theory on that one, or at least I think the way I think that the way it was explained is that it's those who settled on High Mountain and stayed. <laughs> I think. I don't know. We'll find out, though, at some point. Continue, please. Yeah. I'm
2: sorry. Uh, at any rate... Like you guys said, the, basically the original the thing about the Hammer of Kazaroth is originally it was entrusted to Deathwing when he was Neltharion. It wasn't originally entrusted to the to the Torn or the Drogbar. In fact, uh, Death Neltharion when he was Neltharion, not only did he keep it, he kept anyone away from it by killing them. Like if you went he near guarded st- it. Yeah, he and there's actually a really great. Uh, this is a little spoilery, but I'm just going to mention anyway. There's a l- great thing when you go into Neltharion's lair and you actually find a statue he erected that is a it's a drog bar that's been petrified yep. and on it he says here is here is the symbol of your rebellion here is where you learn you know your place in the world you are creatures of the earth and i naltharian am your warder and he turned one of them to stone for daring to rise up against him so the whatever the Drogbar are they're creatures of the deep earth and naltharian used them as slaves do you uh, think and-
0: they have um relation to the dwarves and the trog and the earthen and all that I wouldn't be
2: surprised, but they definitely don't look much like them. They could definitely That's what be. I was wondering, because they, they there's like not like much of a resemblance. Trolls, actually, yeah.
1: If I had a hazard. They like they look like trolls that just stayed underground.
2: They do have a certain dark trollishness to them, and it is even a thing where they're called trolls. They're yeah. called rock trolls at one point. Someone calls them rock trolls. So, um, maybe, but. Was that a nickname, it, or was that just like. Yeah. It could just be
1: what they are. I don't was know. Was it
0: an insult, or was it. Was it Well, I mean, actually... they have the long,
1: they have the long, pointy ears. They have the tusks. They look, they look they almost do. like an orc and a troll hybrid. But I'm wondering if it's, I'm wondering if they are trolls or, or, or you know, night trolls or whatever, or dark trolls that uh, sort of evolved just due to proximity to the hammer,
2: or to Deathwing, for that
1: matter. Or to Deathwing, yeah. Because
2: they were originally, they were slaves to Notharian for a very long time, and they're the ones. It was actually the Drogbar who put the original plates on Deathwing. Yes. Uh, the goblins forged them, but the Drogbar are the ones who put them on them. Do you Probably think cause,
0: there's you know, like a tie between the goblins and the Drogbar, maybe?
2: Uh, they don't really seem to have much regard for each other. That doesn't mean much. Goblins are notorious for that. But, yeah, they definitely they call them goblin trash when they're talking about the uh, <laughs> plates. They don't like the goblins very much. That much is clear. But the Drogbar themselves, there's actually a Drogbar tribe that join, rejoins the High Mountain. Yes. They, they actually turn against... Darg- yeah, I, so I they're not like, oh, yeah. all bad.
1: Well, yeah. the thing is, I don't think they're bad by by default. They're just they're following their king. They're following their leader, and that's a story we've seen so many times. Like they think that their leader has the answer. Here, he he now has the control of this powerful artifact, this titan weapon, this thing that was used to forge life. Clearly, clearly, he has the right of it and will defend us against this looming threat of the Burning Legion, who are lighting the world on fire. Yeah. coming to destroy everything we hold dear i mean at that point you would f- obviously follow the person you think is going to protect you the most
2: so and i mean plus, it makes if you, perfect follow, sense. if you look at like even what he says in the comic he isn't like ha 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 i want to rule the mountain he's like you people are going to stand around and do nothing while the, while this burns your shaman here wants to give the hammer away to some outsider no i'm taking it and since I know that now that I've taken it, you know, they, they the, the Torrent come out and say, we'll starve you to death. You don't want to do this. You'll get, we'll starve you. He's like, fine. Then we'll take the food from you. And that's
1: the that's point that. of escalation too. That's really important to note is that mm-hmm. until, until the threat of starvation was a thing, there really wasn't like open hostility or like there, or at least I wouldn't say open hostility, but it wasn't like he was going through murdering everybody. He was just going to take the hammer and go win a war. That was his whole point. Then they're like we're going to murder your people by denying you the very basic necessities of life you need if you don't put the hammer back. And he's like uh, well I got the hammer in my hand so no. I'm just going to go take this stuff now.
2: Well he actually says before that he even says I've, you don't understand I've come here to end this war. Yeah exactly. So he, he basically implies to them that he's going to kill them. He, he isn't like he from the very beginning it's like I have the hammer I'm going to kill you take over the mountain but when they escalate it, he does start attacking them directly. That's when he diverts to them. But to cut back to what the thing we were talking about with the, the trolls, um, there's a quest that Navarrog, who is a Drogbar, gives in High Mountain called Rock Troll in a Hard Place. So they call themselves Rock Trolls. That is a name that they have for themselves. Uh, why they call themselves that, I don't know. But this whole thing is interesting because even some of the High Mountain Tauren like when this when when spirits when the spirit speaker Eben Ebenhorn says this is what the spirits have shown me some of the tauren don't like it no like there's a i well, think it's a bloodhuff. You know, like a- they, they've spent like 10,000 years fulfilling their
0: duty and now someone's saying oh yeah that thing that we've dedicated all this time to guarding and protecting we need to give it away now and yeah yeah they don't want to do that
2: go ahead Rossi, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 that was perfectly fine. I was, I was just agreeing with you. Um, but it, it's, it all comes down to the fact that Evan, Evan Horn has special understanding of the situation because he was there ten thousand years ago. I'm not, I'm not going to say any more than that. But he was there. He knows what Holm did and all that Holm did. Holm did more stuff than you think. Um, Holm, but Holm. Oh After, yeah. after the Burning Legion is defeated, Holm is the one who comes to High Mountain because it. He comes there. Because it's where Deathwing li- layers. and as we all know, during the War of the Ancients, Deathwing became Deathwing. He gave up being Naltharian and became Deathwing when he created the d- the Demon Soul, the Dragon Soul, uh, which it has both names. And this is where he went to try and fix himself after the, you know, the corruption of the Old Gods began splitting him open. This is the the place where he first forged his first set of of Adamantite plate to try and keep himself together. All of that takes place during this period of time. And Holm shows up right on his heels. Holm is hunting him. Holm is like, okay, the, the, the Night Elves are obviously preoccupied with what's going on to them, with their civilization having fallen apart. Uh, the Earthen don't care. It's up to me. I have to get Death... If Deathwing is as big a threat as the Legion, left unchecked, he has to be stopped. And so Holm, um, he does something and it's involved with the hammer. I'm not going to say too much more. But that's why the the High Mountain Tauren ended up with it, and that's why the Drogbar. Because bar obviously, sept- Deathwing isn't exactly capable of guarding the thing anymore. Not not in a responsible way. No, it's sort of like giving the keys to your car to like the good who just drank an entire six pack and wants to drive real bad. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's also why the Drogbar had for ten thousand years accepted that the Tauren had the hammer, until the until under like under King uh, Dargul here, the the Drogbar had been at peace with them. They were like, yeah, you guys can be trusted with it. And it's because exactly because of what Holm does. So the comic really ties into High Mountain, and a really like if you if you do High Mountain and read the comic, you basically have both halves of a story.
1: And you that, really should at this point,
2: I think. Yeah, it's a good comic. It's, it's also a good story. It's also drawn really well. I mean, the
0: art in this is just it's gorgeous. It, it's been a while since I've seen a Torin drawn where I was like, "Yeah, that's a Torin." Yeah, they and, look
2: very torny.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's really well done. Um, there are four comics, according to the website, that are meant to come out. We've gotten three of them, which means that the next one should be coming out next week, theoretically. Um, we also have the pre-patch landing on the 19th. And by the time people on the website listen to this, obviously the pre-patch is going to be out and the comic's going to be out too. But um, let's just make some predictions there. Uh, what do you think that fourth comic is going to be? What do you think it'll involve? Sylvanas. Do you think? Yeah. Why?
2: Because that's, there's two zones left to do, right? They, mm-hmm. They've done the story of, well, actually, yeah, there's, there's they've done the story of the, of Suramar and High Mountain, and then they did like the Moira comic, which doesn't touch on any zones. So there's actually three zones that could touch on. There's, there's Azuna, but Azuna is pretty tied up in the Highborn stuff, the Nightborn stuff, I'm sorry. Um, there's Valshara, and that's a possible, but I feel like Valshara is pretty self-contained. Like you kind of, you don't really yeah, need. Yeah, I'm inclined any to
1: agree with that. Yeah,
2: uh, Valshara pretty much has its whole story in there, but Sylvanas is a major character. She's like in the cinematic. She's well, we can just say it. She's war chief of the Horde now. She's a big deal. And what she's doing in Stormheim, we know what she's doing, but we it's haven't important. we haven't seen her come to that decision. Why did she decide to go do this? What was her thinking behind it? What is she? We know what she's trying to do, but we don't know how she what's decided impetus, to do. What's the impetus? Yeah, yeah. And also, we have Gen on the other side, and Gen is kind of forced into a role he doesn't necessarily want to be in. Uh, if you look at what's actually happened with the events of this expansion, Gen becomes the most prominent monarch on Azeroth. Mm-hmm. For the Alliance, is, yeah. For the Alliance. Well, no, because he, he's the most prominent of the old monarchs. He's the only one left.
1: Yeah, he is. Of well, people. I mean, te-
2: no, technically of, technically,
1: well, technically Bronzebeard's now
2: running around. but From yeah. that
0: original Alliance of Lordaeron, though. The yeah,
1: original, original.
2: Yeah, he, if you look at it, Taranis is dead. Um, there, there's basically uh, the passing of the Old Order has happened. Every, it's all in the hands of the next generation, except for Genn. And Gen, like Gen is in a situation where his only heir is his daughter Tess, and we see Tess. Tess is actually doing things in this expansion. And that's great. But, you know, he's lost the person who was supposed to be his heir. He's been forced to fight well past the point where other kings have died or retired. Um, and he's now in a position where the person that killed his son is in charge of the opposing faction. And that and Gen- can't feel good. Oh, Ken Gen is and Gen is is well past the point of talking peace with the, with the forsaken. It is not going to happen. I don't I
0: don't think he ever would have. I don't think yeah. there's a point where Gen ever would have even like remotely considered it. He was kind of forced his hand was forced. He he wouldn't have confronted them had the cataclysm not happened, had that wall not come down, had had, you know, all of the the chaos that went on not gone on. Um, yeah, he was a- doing his best. I, I want to I wanna say that, like, Gen, of the old guard, Gen avoided the most tumultuous years, the years that took everybody else out, just because he closed off his kingdom. So he was almost in this place of stasis. And now he's actually having to fight for the first time and, like, fight really hard. Um, and I, I find Gen a fascinating character. I love him to bits. So... I'm, so you think that the next comic that's going to be it'll it'll be something with Sylvanas and probably Gen too somewhere in yeah. there. I think okay. it's going
2: to be it's going to touch Stormheim and stuff. yeah. Okay. I think
1: I'm agree. Joe... I think specifically it's going to be Stormheim because it makes the most story sense. It has some of the most importance to what the actual development of the Horde and the Alliance are going to be. Like the events of Stormheim are shaping factions. Do you
0: do you do you know what I I'm hoping we'll see? What's that? Even if we don't see it, I'm hoping maybe we'll see it at some point. Um, I wanna see Helia's story.
1: Yeah. I I think we're gonna see something about that a little her, bit later though. I
0: wanna see her full story. I wanna see a comic version of like the beginnings of Helia before she became who she is in Legion. Um, I, don't think we're man, see, yeah, and I don't think what we're going to see that as the fourth comic I think I think it's more likely we're going to see something with like Sylvanas and whatnot um, because that just that makes sense from a story standpoint either that or if they want to they can go ahead and go into the Valshara stuff and do something with Taronda and Malfurion but um, I think it's more likely that we'll see Sylvanas because I think she's a bigger player in this um, and yeah I think what you said is right Rossi that, that Valshara is kind of like, it, it's self-contained. self-contained, it's its own thing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you guys, obviously, you know, you have these four zones that you get to pick. You can pick Azuna, you can pick Valshara, you can pick Stormheim, you can pick High Mountain. Which one out of the four, story-wise, would you recommend tackling first? Just oh, from a story so standpoint, which one do you find the most fascinating?
1: That's so hard. What do
2: you think, Rossi? Um, every time since it's opened, I go to Azuna first. Uh, they're all good. And I think Valshra is really good. Um, but I always go to Azuna first because the Azuna story, I've, I've completed the zone a couple of times now. And the Azuna story has always remained relatively consistently strong. Uh, especially once you get past a certain point, once you, there's a character you meet. Um, I won't say much more other than he's voiced by Frank Welker.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ben.
2: and, uh, again we get frank welker again i'm so happy i'm so happy and he's frank welker in his full malevolent yet yet charming way you know when frank welker does that evil but at the same time kind of approachable my friend like he calls you my friend and your back goes up it's like oh don't call me that yes and it's in the end it's actually somewhat tragic and heartbreaking what happens to this character and the whole thing is kind of like you end up Dealing with these spirits and it's it's just I don't again I don't want to just dump the zone on you but there's a lot there yeah yeah it's a really good zone Val'sharah is also very good I'm gonna say this for all the you know we talked about World of Draenor kind of being the you know Draenei expansion that didn't really do as much for Draenei as we'd hoped Legion is feeling very much like a Night Elf expansion that does a lot for Night Elves there's we two zones
0: because we haven't really seen. I don't think we've really dealt with them in depth before, like in any of the expansions, they never really had that focus.
2: Yeah. There's, so there's a... I'm,
0: I'm kind of happy that they're getting that focus.
2: I just, I'll just tell this bit. There's a bit in, 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 Azuna where you, you run into these two night elf mages from who the Karen sent in. And they're like, you know, they're, they're night elves, they're mages. Uh, and they're like, you know, we were here 10,000 years ago. We ran from here. Um, during the war and we've never seen our parents again and obviously they died and by the end of the quest you get closure for them i'm not going to say how exactly but you get closure for them and it's really interesting to think about this is how long these people have lived that being a mage is like their fifth or sixth career like they, they've done other things with their time they've lived ten thousand years in night elf society
0: there was that brief stint with underwater basket weaving didn't pan out Mage it life. turned out,
2: you know, Naga Naga decided to keep to keep that to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but it is it's really um, High Mountain is a good zone, it it really is. And Stormheim, it's not that it's not a good story. I'm just not very comfortable with the first half of it. The first half of it is very Alliance yeah. focused, and I don't like it all that much. But there's a lot to like in Stormheim too. But for me, Azuna is the is the best overall experience. What about you, Joe? What do you think?
1: I agree with Rossi's thoughts, but for for me, it's a, it's going to depend on what you want out of it. If you want, I'm talking sto- about
0: personal opinion here.
1: Well, which that's what, one I'm, did I'm, you like? I'm actually going to that. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> for me, I tend to like more emotionally charged stories. I like things that draw me in from a more familiar, uh, like emotional standpoint, which is why I'm going to be starting in High Mountain uh, because I feel the story there is a little more personal than any of the other stories in the zones. Except for maybe Valsharaz, um, I—that's just my personal opinion. Also, the fact that I really really enjoy the the whole Torn clans and and the history of that area so much so that the story playing through it pretty much cemented my decision that I'm going to be race changing loader to torn back to his original loader roots from classic wow oh my wow. gosh i will actually be doing that no
0: more panda joe huh
1: no more panda joe it's going to be going back to my roots in torn because it's the Torn story that I've been waiting for. It's the Torrin story that I've wanted for a very long time. And it's like, this, this is to me the essence of what it is to be torn. It's got that spirituality. It's got that sense of the, the tribal community. It's got everything that speaks to me about a race. And it's absolutely, it's not, it's not perfect by far, uh, but I don't think anything is. But it's very, very good. And it drew me in very quickly.
2: See, I, honestly, I mean, that might be why I like Azuna so much, because Azuna is like I was playing a Night Elf Warrior when I did it, and it's if you're on a Night Elf, if you've ever it's played a night personal. Elf, it's you you sit there and go, "My God, I, you know, this, was my character here for this? Did I see this happen? Did I live through it, or am I younger? Is this like the story of my ancestors?" And it's just really, it's there's a there's moment a, there's where a, a character big appears. emotional
0: impact,
2: yeah. Yeah, there's a moment where a character shows up in the zone, and you're and you see this character show up, you will honestly go, oh sh beep, like, seriously, that was my reaction when this character. Oh showed
1: up. yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it was. It was an was Okay, obviously,
0: obviously, obviously, yeah. I need to go finish playing through Azuna. Yes, I got like about halfway through it, and then I and then I stopped because, well, I ran out of time, honestly. <laughs> so I need yeah. to go back and I need to play it again. As far as myself is concerned. Honestly, um, and I know both of you are going to disagree with me, but I like having my heart ripped out and I really liked Stormheim. I liked the intro to Stormheim. I liked how uncomfortable it made me feel um, just because I like stories that push the envelope like that where I'm like, ooh, ooh, do I like playing it on the horde side? It makes you wonder. Just what you've gotten yourself into, playing it on the alliance side, it just like kicks you into high motion, you yeah, know.
2: The, the um, Stormheim thing. I think the Stormheim thing is very much. It's a. It is not. And I. I, I really want to say this again. It's not a bad story. No, it's in a good, fact, if,
0: they're if, all good stories. Honestly, if, I think we're getting warlords level leveling experiences here. You know.
2: I would but, actually say, like, because the characters are not only they're more familiar, but they're not alternate versions of themselves. Like that is Nathanos. It's not alternate Nathanos. It's Nathanos. I think in a lot of ways that's the, the problem Warlords had was trying to make you care about characters who weren't really themselves. On the one
0: hand, you really like, you felt something when you saw that last cinematic in Shadow Moon Valley and Velen, like sacrificed himself and it, there was that moment, that emotional catch in your throat. And then it started to sink in, wait, we have a spare at home. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't really matter in the like but it did, but it didn't, you know what I mean? And and warlords seemed like it, the emotional investment wasn't there. So I was looking for that kind of emotional gut punch and I think that for me anyway, Stormheim delivered that. What I really love about this expansion so far though is that we are touching on races that haven't really gotten that deep dive that everybody else has, maybe even, you know, repeatedly. So we've got, you know, there's obviously, there's a focus on the forsaken. There's a focus on the Worgen. You've got a whole zone dedicated to ancient Torrin lore that we've mm-hmm. never like experienced before. And then obviously night elf stuff up the yin yang. Yeah. There's like two and a half zones full of night elf stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm really happy because it's like, we aren't focusing on the orc stuff anymore we we've done the troll thing so many times that we're almost kind of sick of it uh, the pandaren they had like an entire expansion of of stuff the only the only race i think right now that hasn't gotten like majorly touched obviously is like the gnomes and the goblins really and i don't know if that's because they're, they're considered, kind of a jokey race. Yeah, yeah, they're considered comic relief or whatever, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to see, like, in future expansions, I'd love to see something that was actually, like, in-depth with both of those races. I would love to go back to Kazan. I would love to see, you know, that kind of thing. We're
2: not going to see it this time around, obviously. We do see something, though. Um, I, I, I really just have to tell you this. Yeah. Uh, they added, in the most recent launch, when they were testing the... the, the the, the launch not for legion but the 7.0 launch they were testing that the pre-patch yeah they added a quest where oh this is real spoilery so I, i'm going to just reiterate let's not before.
0: let's not spoil it then
2: uh, let me just let me at least do this part you go back to alduar yes and alduar has been fixed up and there's a mecha gnome waiting for you and they, they tell you about the keepers And there's actually a really great moment where uh, the little mechanom is leading you into Alduar, and he goes, "Well, the heroes did free us, but then they left the place kind of in a shambles. They're not very good at cleaning up after themselves." (laughs) And yep, that's accurate. (laughs) And uh, there's look, we got our loot. We were done. Yeah, that is basically the point that they make. But uh, it it gives a hint between that and the the hunter. beast mastery gone there is at least some gnome stuff and they they you know there's there's some hope for gnomes actually getting a more thorough treatment it not not this expansion won't be that expansion for you but it does it does have touches it does have elements that i thought you know between gnome hunters and um oh lordy i can't remember his name and he's the gnome leader mechatork thank you uh yeah geblin mechatork is is present on the broken shore Yes, we we see him. Um, there's there's bits and pieces where I'm, I've got hope for them. I don't really think goblins need it as much because there's been goblins throughout multiple expansions. I just want to
0: see some kind of resolution to the whole Gallywix being leader thing, because Thrall put him in that leadership role, like kept him there. And it was obvious when you were playing through the goblin starting zone that Gallywix really didn't have the best interests of his people at heart. I mean, yeah, Do goblins ever have anybody's best interests in heart, but themselves? No, probably not. But I would love to see a return to Kazan, and I would love to see some kind of like dive into goblin culture where we're like looking at it a little more closely and see if there's any kind of emotional hooks to be had there. That's the whole thing about goblins is they're very dispassionate. They're in it for themselves. they're in it for the profit. Well, there's got to be something deeper there, you would think you know, it can't just be a joke race, you would think. But that's what it seems to be playing to. Well, I wouldn't mind someday seeing if they could advance that a little bit, you know, seeing what they could do with it. But yeah, if you play a Night Elf, if you play a Worgen, if you play a Forsaken, if you play a Tauren, you're going to get a lot in Legion. You're And even if you don't play those races, you're still going to get a lot in Legion because we haven't seen much from these people before ever,
2: so yeah, I mean, I would say too, if you're human, actually, Stormheim has quite a bit for you. Yeah. Just because um, the Vrykul. Cool. Yeah, the very cool. and plus it's a very Alliance, and if you're Alliance, it's an area Alliance focused area, and if you're Horde, it's very Horde focused. It focuses on your faction, so you will, I think, you'll get something out of it. If I think that any was anyways. the other
0: reason that I liked it was because there was very much there was like that whole faction heavy emphasis, and I kind of enjoyed that um i i enjoy that there was like conflict ramping up again obviously i don't know how that's going to resolve and i can't wait to see how that resolves but yeah uh the next comic obviously next comic is probably going to come out this thursday if you're reading or if you're listening to the if you're reading this you aren't reading this if you're listening to this via patreon it's going to be out this thursday probably if you're listening to this on sunday it's probably already come out and you should check the website because i'm sure i've written up written it up already um but i think that kind of wraps us up so uh blizzard watch it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and for you guys listeners of blizzard watch listeners of lore watch even um We're actually offering, there's an offer out there with Audible where you sign up for Audible and you can get a free 30-day trial. And that does come with a free audiobook download. Now, obviously, these comics are all free, but there is a lead-in novel, Illidan, um, and that one is one of the audiobooks that you can download for free. So if you haven't checked that out yet, I really recommend you do because that pre-patch that pre-patch is going to let us play Demon Hunters. So you can download that title or many of Blizzard's other titles at blizzardwatch.com audible and sign up there. Um, anyway, you guys, I guess let's go ahead and wrap this up. So, uh, Rossi, final thoughts?
2: Uh, basically, I, when I, my final thoughts are that by at least by Tuesday, we're going to get to see the start of this. I mean, I don't think that the invasion starts immediately, but you're going to start to at least get to see a little bit of what's going on. And, and it's
0: about time,
2: isn't it? yeah it is it is about time. We're closing in on two years of warlords, so it'll it'll be slightly less than two years with this this expansion's launch date in august but yeah i I really think once they start the invasion, you'll really start to actually get to see like the story quest that opens up is really interesting so okay,
1: Joe, final thoughts from you uh be expecting lots of photos of my character after I give him horns because it's gonna be flooded all over social media as soon as I'm done. <laughs>
0: You're going to need to get a new badge drawn for BlizzCon.
1: I I really am, actually.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps us up, and we will see you guys in two weeks.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.